Hey guys, I'm Chantel. And I'm Chris. And this is Forgotten Fridays. Hey guys, and welcome back to Two Addicts Podcast. Chris, how's it going? The going is good. How's it going with you? I'm doing good. Excited to get these episodes out today. Now, I want to start by saying, guys, I'm so sorry about last Friday's episode. As we grow, we are having to adjust, and it seems a new software is needed. But it has been handled now, and to make up for it today, you will get two Forgotten Fridays episodes back-to-back. So prepare yourself. I hate the story I'm about to tell you. I hate it because it plays on the fact that a person doesn't have to be high-risk or in criminal activity. In fact, this case shows us that the worst can happen simply by going on a morning jog. This is the case of Rachel Louise Cook. Rachel was 19 at the time of her disappearance. She was currently attending Mesa Junior College in San Diego. She was planning to transfer to a college in L.A. to study fashion design, but was back home in Georgetown, Texas, staying with her family for winter break. Rachel was an all-around great girl with her whole life ahead of her. This case sucks. Not like the research sucks or anything like that, but this case is just it hits. It hits. Um, this is the first case I've really ever experienced. Just complete emotions overflowing. I, it was, it was pretty bad. And then, oh my gosh. On the morning of January 10th, 2002, Rachel's mother, Janet, left for work at 8 a.m. Janet remembers seeing her daughter still asleep on the couch. Rachel had actually been on her school track team and was actually a pretty good runner. She had been taking four-mile runs in the mornings as a part of her training. And boy, is that impressive to me because I only run to the fridge. (laughs) Late night snacks for the win. Yep. Now, authorities believe Rachel left her home at about 9.30 a.m. to start her run. During her route, witnesses did spot her at various points. Several neighbors mentioned seeing her at 11 a.m. near the end of her run, and she was about 200 meters away from her home at that time. So close to home, and yet still so far from what you will learn in this story. Now, Rachel and her father had plans to go shopping this day, so he returned home at about 3 p.m. He found that she was not there and hadn't left a note. Knowing this wasn't like her, he immediately became alarmed. Her family grew increasingly more concerned as the hours ticked on and reported her missing later that day. An extensive search was conducted, but no trace of Rachel was found. Now, many folks in the community wanted to help find Rachel. And Chris, you know Georgetown is only about 20 minutes away, so I was proud to read about this community pulling together to help find this girl. Yes, I I as well applauded them for this because of the fact that that is something that is amazing especially georgetown has a decent size to it it's not like a it's not like the usual small town we'll read about here in texas is actually a really big town and as far as williamson goes that's like the the center of all of williamson you know so for them to band together like that to find this this missing girl that was that was amazing to hear about and it's very inspiring 
Yes, it is. And due to the public's willingness to help, neighbors did say they saw a Native American male in his late teens or early 20s talking to a female jogger, possibly Rachel, on the day she vanished. Neighbors also mentioned seeing a late model white Chevy Camaro or Pontiac Trans Am with white or black stripes along the hood and trunk in Rachel's neighborhood around the time she vanished. Some witnesses reported seeing a man inside the vehicle, which traveled along Navajo Trail or Navajo Trail and turned southbound on Neches Trail. Sketches of the unidentified male are posted online with the case summary. Some witnesses claim to have seen two males in the vehicle. And this is all different sightings. So it's not the same one. It's just a bunch of different people with tips, basically, that the police are having to investigate. Cops actually got thousands of tips and they do have to investigate everyone and unfortunately sometimes all those tips although are so great can steer away from what actually happened because they're looking into useless tips yes at one point authorities were also searching for information on a white pickup truck that was seen in the north lake subdivision on january 10th Witnesses stated the vehicle stopped along the road to speak to a jogger shortly after Rachel's disappearance. There's also a sketch of that unidentified man as well in the case notes. Investigators announced later that one of the unidentified men contacted authorities voluntarily one week after Rachel went missing. He was cleared of any involvement. Mm. I don't, I don't, I didn't remember that part. Um, I wonder what I wonder what he said or like what he like came forth and offered to them, you know? I know. Does I it state? It didn't, no. Uh. Now, as I always like to say, buckle up because this is where the case gets crazy. In August of 2006, Michael Keith Moore confessed to Rachel's murder. He stated he attacked Rachel while she was jogging, knocked her unconscious, drove her somewhere and raped her. After murdering her, he wrapped her in a tarp, weighted it with rocks, and threw it into the Matagorda Bay. When you hear later of what what this man, this demon, um, comes up with as to uh, that he brings up to the court, when you hear later that, just remember how specific what he just detailed is. Like, just keep that in your mind because. He's about to, it, it is going to flip, but I'm just saying, just keep that in the forefront of your mind because this is this case gets ridiculous even more so. Now, the piece of shit that is Michael Moore had an extensive criminal history and has spent nearly all of his adult life in prison. His father stated he began to get in trouble with the law around the age of 13, and most of his offenses involved sexual misconduct and or violence. At the time of his confession, he was already in police custody after being convicted of murdering a pregnant woman. Hmm. Yep. Not that is this man who he is. He is scum. He is scum. Oh, I can't yeah. even. I can't even call him a man. Like I, I don't. I don't know what to, what to call him. Like an animal. Yes. Not even an animal, because even animals are capable of loving, you know, the reason. Um, it's most animals can, you know, for the most part, recognize 
people of their own species uh you know like another lion though you know yeah they'll get like territorial but for the most part they can live amongst each other without like okay let me just completely attack you for no reason unless food is scarce but we're not in those kind of times where you gotta eat people i would hope not yes Yeah. (laughs) yeah this person is clearly depraved He has been depraved since he was a young boy. There is no greater example of someone that is truly. Demented. Yes. Psychopath, pretty much like. And honestly, these situations anger me because why don't they get them help when they see what they're doing? So now even taking that to a bigger note, someone who may show uh, sociopathic tendencies, psychopathic tendencies, like if you're seeing that as a parent, I know you don't want to think that that's how your child is, but it's an imbalance. It's in their head. It's not something you did. What you do is not pay attention, not get your kid the help they need. That's where we as parents are supposed to step in and say, you know what? Um, my son even if you feel he's acting odd (laughs) you know even everyone can benefit from a therapist and learn how to cope with things he may just be a a nerdy kid but at least a therapist can teach him like hey you know just to not get beat up in school (laughs) you know or or whatever the case may be and I hate to take it there but the truth is we are in an unhealthy society where we are forced to constantly work not take time for ourselves struggle have to worry about our family and now you add in COVID anxiety from COVID and every other thing our society needs to learn to handle their mental health physical health is not the only important thing our mental health is so important and I think a part of that does go in, like like you said, a parent, but then at the same time, I know for like my parents, they as well went through, They like, it's not just like a you thing, like that's a family thing, like our parents struggled with depression and still to this day, like, you know, like, yeah, I'm just saying, so it's one of those things where it's like, if we both struggle with this, then why, like, if you didn't seek the help, then why, why can't we together like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, why should I go to you and be like, oh, hey, I'm depressed. And then, you know, a parent's like, I don't, I don't care. But you know that you're going through the exact same thing. So why, why can't we just right. get over it? And, you know what I mean? Right. And the funny part about that is I love that you brought that up because the funny part about that is a lot of our generation is going to therapy because our parents didn't. Mm. And We'll leave it at that because I don't want yeah. to become a self-help podcast. <laughs> I'm not a therapist at all. Um, so we'll move on from that and continue on this case. He agreed to plead guilty to Rachel's murder in November of 2006 in exchange for a sentence of life in prison. But once in court, he changed his mind and pleaded not guilty. He then told the media that he had been toying with the police when he confessed to killing Rachel and that he got special treatment in prison in exchange for his confession. He stated, I had nothing to do with her disappearance and the police should have known that. This is where you truly get to see just how much of a piece of complete garbage this guy is. Um, I, I can't understand it still like do you know the funny thing is I actually brought this part up to to our mom and um 
she was just like she's like are you serious they they didn't they didn't check first they didn't find the body or you know clarify some of the things of his story to make sure that he was actually telling the truth and you know that i did like right seriously no you're right why did we not verify a second piece of evidence confession's great but i need a piece of hard evidence where is the body where is the murder weapon where is whatever something that can tie you to this crime besides your confession so that this doesn't happen i feel like what were we playing pretend cops or are we are we cops like what the hell obviously this guy was already already there so it is it is now that I'm thinking about it, it is reasonable that someone else could have committed this crime and then he's already going down for something. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. boom, here, you just take this, too. Oh, yeah. They could Plus, be friends or something. Right. Or something. Who knows? But Or just he didn't know him at all and he just wanted to have all the benefits because he knew he was going to prison either way. Nope. Be a, a, which is completely despicable like Michael. Oh, Michael, you, you murdered a pregnant woman. Like that is as low as it can get. Like already that is low. That's just completely despicable that you, you could even do something like that. And I remember, if you don't remember last time I I was, that's what was getting me emotional was the fact of like, I couldn't, I couldn't fathom someone. Cause as a kid, that was like my biggest fears, like my mom being hurt. So it's like, I couldn't fathom that someone would actually do that to a mom. You know what I mean? Like you had a mom, you came from a mom. Mom is like the center focal point of all life. And he mm-hmm. murdered that, which doesn't make sense to me. And and that's the thing. My mind can't think the way that his does. Right. Exactly. You're not an animal. You're not a fucking monster. Prosecutors did announce he would go on trial for Rachel's murder. Her remains have not been found, but investigators believe his confession to be accurate. But he was never charged. Almost two decades later, police now seek another man. They believe he lived in the Georgetown area in 2002 and is said to have traveled to multiple cities in Texas. He was also thought to be an associate of Rachel's and was known to be involved in the cattle and horse industry. Apparently, he made mention of her disappearance in third person to an acquaintance, but maintained distance from any actual involvement. And that's fucking it, Chris. No answers and no justice. It should be noted, Rachel was an accomplished runner and doing well in school and life. All her belongings were left at her parents' house, so the idea she just ran away isn't likely. But even bigger than that, there aren't any theories because the only theory is the confession from the piece of shit that is Michael Moore. Rachel's father passed away from natural causes in November of 2014 with no answers for his daughter. And it's been 19 years with no closure for their family. It's ridiculous. That is time taken from these people that they will never get back time. Time is honestly, as far as humanity goes, we can sit here and we can think about the money that, you know, is coming in, but time is the most valuable thing for us. Mm-hmm. Time lost is another thing. And this is time lost for this 19-year-old woman who had the rest of her life ahead of her. And then this piece of trash comes in and he's like, oh, I did it. Like taking, taking, but then you, you, you completely steer it off course by then taking that closure away from the family by being like, oh, no, I didn't. I actually lied. 
and that's time lost time that the that the police could have been looking to find the actual murderer mm-hmm. there's a special place in hell for you for michael moore's out there special oh, place definitely. in hell. oh definitely rachel is a caucasian female she had blonde hair and hazel eyes she also had an auburn streak in her hair um, she was also said to have two heart-shaped cherries tattooed on her left shoulder Williamson County Sheriff's Department is the one handling her case. You can reach them with tips at 512-943-1300. The FBI and Sheriff's Office are offering a $100,000 reward for information leading to Rachel's location. The cold case tip line number is 512-943-5204, or you can email coldcasetips at wilco.org. And that's all I have for this case. Um, as I said earlier, you guys don't have to worry at all because you're about to get another episode right after this one. So I will go ahead and end this quick so me and Chris can work on the next episode of Forgotten Fridays. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. <laughs>